Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Hello and welcome to this episode of Coach Taku. I'm Mary and I'm here and joined by the wonderful, amazing, radiant Christina. And today we're talking about a wonderful classic that even if you don't love anime, you usually know this one at least, and it's Spirited Away by Hayao Miyazaki. And Spirited Away follows the story of Chihiro, who uh, is stuck in an amusement park where it's inhabited by ghosts who are particularly working at a spa. And we're going to be talking about um, ownership as it relates to our own leadership and Chihiro's journey in the specific anime. Christina, anything to add? Yeah, first of all, I just want to say I'm so freaking excited to be doing another Miyazaki film. And a shout out to a couple of different people, Kristen, Henna, Paul. Yeah, like we just in general, after we did our Howl's Moving Castle episode, we got great response, which was what inspired us to do Spirited Away next. And to piggyback off of what you said, Mary, what I love about the ownership conversation is I want to distinguish ownership as it relates to coaching. So I think most of us, when we think, when we hear the word ownership, we think of like possessions that we have, like I own a car, I own a dog, I own a card deck. But ownership as it relates to leadership is really this concept of taking full responsibility over something. So full responsibility of a project, of a life event, of an experience. And so it ties really well into the episode that we covered uh, being at cause and responsibility a couple weeks back. And so we talk more about what that means in that episode. So you should definitely go back to it if you don't remember what we're talking about. But it was our rented girlfriend episode. (laughs) And so um, I think what's great about Miyazaki films is there's such a, a swell, like there's such a clear growth of the main characters of the movies. And so one thought that Mary and I had is that we would actually track Chihiro through her like before picture, her during picture, and her after picture. So Mary, why don't you kick us off? Who is Chihiro at the start of the film? In terms of ownership, where is she at on the spectrum? Um, I've got to tell you, she is very low on this scale, Christina. And what we see at the beginning of the story is Chihiro's a child. She's a little girl who is moving to a different place with her parents and they're in a car they're driving to their new location and you see like she's moping and she's sad and she's like why are we moving and my friends and anything that she can whine about she basically takes the opportunity to go with it so in our episode of um at cause and at effect we can see that she's very at effect of her circumstances meaning she's like playing the victim. She's like, why is this happening to me? Why are we doing this? Et cetera, et cetera. 
And you can see that her parents stop along the way because they're interested in exploring this abandoned area that looks kind of interesting. And she's like, I don't want to. Why are we doing this? And still with the same attitude. Right. And it's not until she actually goes through there and her parents turn into pigs because they eat something they weren't supposed to, that she's like, oh, now what do I do? Which brings us to our first um, opportunities to see a change with, with Chihiro. And Christina, you want to talk more about Yeah, definitely. So let's say, so start of the film, Chihiro is at like a zero on the ownership scale, if we want to track it that way. Whereas... As Mary was just mentioning, when Chihiro finds out that her parents have been turned into pigs, her first thought is to go screaming and crying through this town that she's appeared in, right? Like, there's no, there isn't an immediate thought of, how can I help them? There's an immediate thought of, like, I'm a scared little girl and this is terrifying. And it's really when she meets Haku who's another character in the series, and we'll probably talk about him a little bit more because he's also a cool character to look at in this ownership conversation. But she meets Haku, and he's the one that's like, Chihiro, like, you're strong and you're brave and I'm going to help you, but you need to do it on your own. And he gives her a set of instructions of what she needs to do to protect herself and inevitably be able to save her parents. And so it unwinds into this beautiful catastrophic scene of Chihiro like trying to sneak around but being really clumsy, trying to fight for a job but having no finesse or charisma. And it's cool because what you start to see is her beginning to take ownership over the ordeal. And uh, one of the most powerful moments that she does this is that when she's trying to fight for the right to take a job, she's brushed off and told, I have these dust mites. You know, I have these pixies. I don't need any more work. And for the first time, you see her going from this shy, sniveling little girl to uh, powerful and demanding. Like she actually raises her voice and she's like, please, 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 please give me a job. I want to work here. And I think what's so powerful about this moment is it's the first time that you see Chihiro go from scared, out of fact little girl to starting to be a demand and owning what she needs. Yeah. And she ends up not working with the dust mites, but she does end up getting a position in the actual spot where she's cleaning and helping people with their baths. And another opportunity that we see Chihiro just start to grow and to really start taking ownership is by being prepared, actually. She, she has all these bath tokens and they get a really strange visitor where he's huge and slimy and nobody wants to work with him because he's disgusting. So of course they put Chihiro there since she's the newest and human. Um, and you can see that she actually makes an effort to help them by using like all these expensive bath tokens and expensive herbs to really clean him out. And there's an opportunity here because it actually ended up being some kind of really powerful and rich God that ends up giving her a really important token as a result of her help. But it was her like really stepping up to the plate and really helping him on his own that makes her feel a little bit more empowered, a, bit, a little bit more herself in the process. Yeah, and I would say, so as I mentioned, if Chihiro is at the zero at the start of the film, I think that when she helps this, I don't know if they ever really identify what he is, but I think he turns out to be like a river spirit or a water spirit and not a sludge spirit. <laughs> which I guess apparently in the hierarchy of spirits, you sludge is at the bottom and water is 
high, higher up there. But I digress. The point being is in this moment where Chihiro takes ownership and is willing to do what it takes to satisfy the customer, you have this really beautiful moment where you see her physically rewarded for this. Like he actually leaves behind uh, little piles of gold in the mess that he leaves behind. And so you have the, the visual storytelling of her being rewarded for her growth. And if we were looking at the ownership scale, I'd say at this point in the story, she's closer in like the six camp. And the reason I put her at a six and not all the way there is because there's still some reliance on luck and some reliance on someone else showing her what to do. And part of where you see this is the only reason that she's able to acquire these very luxurious bath tokens is because another character, No Face, happens to steal them for her and give them to her. And so she's modeling responsibility and modeling ownership by serving the customer, but she's still kind of like hanging back and seeing who else can help her out here. So Mary, in my personal opinion, I think it's I think in a lot of ways, No Face becomes one of the parts of the stories where she really, truly takes ownership for how it's going. And I'm wondering if you could explain that to our listeners a little bit. Okay. And can I just say that No Face is probably one of my favorite characters of all time. You know, it's, it's up there with Haku. I love both of them. But No Face, he's called like that because he actually has no face and he wears a mask and he's a black shadow. and. No Face is invited to the spa and he goes on a rampage because, and I think his inner motivation is actually he just wants to make friends and want to be liked. But he goes about it by swallowing everyone in the spa. It's like, and he turns into like this huge, uncontrollable monster. And, you know, Yubaba, who owns the spa, who's a witch who owns the spa, starts crying, Who did this? Who's responsible for, for having let this spirit in? And Chihiro has an opportunity to hide, run away, not say anything. But she actually steps up and said, it was me. And so now she has to take ownership of the situation, be responsible for it, and talk to No Face and try to remedy the situation, which she actually does. And she, you know, she kind of manages the situation around her at the spot. And she also becomes No Face's friend, which was unpredictable at the start of this. Yeah, I think the other thing that's really beautiful about this interaction of Chihiro standing up to No Face is ultimately part of what allows him to create so much chaos in the spa is due to the other workers' greediness. Because No Face has this ability to produce gold. And what you see with Chihiro is she's approaching no face who's become this monstrous form at this point like he's pretty scary like i remember the first time i watched this film i think i <laughs> i think i saw this guy in the corner of a dark room for <laughs> a couple nights afterwards like it's a very um striking image but you see this monstrous form trying to hand her gold trying to get her to come to his side and possibly even eat her and you see her standing her ground and being like hey i don't actually want your money I want you to calm down and compose yourself and take responsibility for what's going on here. And I got to say, like, I, I don't know exactly how much time actually passes in this film. Like, it's a little, it's left up to interpretation, but it couldn't have been more than a week. Like, I don't think she's been here for years of her life. And so there's, 
something so telling about going from this like sniveling little girl to this composed, hey, this is what I want from you. No, you're not going to turn me away with other temptations. No, really, this is what I want from you. And I think that in a lot of ways, if Chihiro never had this confrontation with no face, she may not have been able to bring as much conviction to the final trial that uh, Yubaba puts her through to finally be able to rescue her parents. Yeah, and we can see that play out in the movie. I mean, after that interaction, we, we see her coming into her own and she starts to visit her parents and say, don't worry, I'm going to save you. And this is like a totally different Chihiro than from the start of the movie, where she was so reluctant to just step outside her her comfort and to do something that was unfamiliar. And she wasn't, she was mopey and sad. And now we see this character who's like, no, I can do this. I can save. And I think it also gave her an opportunity to relate to things differently. Like things aren't always what they seem. So these demons that were at first really scary and these ghosts that were like terrifying, have in some way become her friends. And she sees an opportunity to step into that and to actually help some of the characters in the story as well. And I think this is what really leads her to say, I want to break this curse. And she understands in that moment that she has to travel to meet a different witch in order to fulfill this. Yeah, and one other thing that I actually want to say here, Mary, if it's cool if I kind of go off the Chikiro track for a second, is we mentioned Haku uh, earlier in the episode. And as I said, Haku, he really serves as the mentor and the protector figure for Chihiro. And what you learn about Haku is that he's also one of the servants of Yubaba and that he has the ability to take a human-like form, but he's actually a dragon, this beautiful serpent-like dragon. And I think Something that's really beautiful about the relationship between Haku and Chihiro is it really starts top down. Like it really starts as Haku has all of the responsibility and all of the ownership. And it's really on him to protect and guide Chihiro through the shadows. But what you see is as Chihiro gains more agency for herself and gains more confidence in herself, Haku almost disappears from the story a little bit. And what's really amazing is as Chihiro goes off to Zaniba, the point that you're mentioning now, Mary, she actually has an opportunity to return the favor. Like she has now claimed so much agency and so much power that ultimately she's Haku's savior rather than the other way around. Yeah, watching the relationship between the two is really special because he's like, he's not only like someone that she's met in this journey, but someone that's known her since childhood, we later find out. So it's special to see their relationship develop and how he saved her multiple times in different ways. And now she has an opportunity to do the same for him with the power and the leadership and the voice that she has access to after practicing something different. Yeah. And so ultimately, spoiler alert, (laughs) I guess the whole episode has been a spoiler alert because we've really gone plot point by plot point. Uh, Towards the end of the movie, we see Chihiro successfully befriend Zeniba, figure out how to have an opportunity to break her parents' spell, and saves Haku from his own being bound to Yubaba in the process. And so you're left with this final moment of going to be successful in breaking her parents' curse. And uh, surprise, surprise, she does it. 
And what's fascinating to me is that the moment where she saves her parents almost occurs as a little anticlimactic. Like, I don't know about you, Mary, but so much of the thrill and the hype, to me, it really came during the conflict with no face during saving Haku. And by the time she finally just needs to identify her parents in a slew of other pigs, like, it's not dramatic. It's not dazzling. And what I kind of love about how simple it is is I think in some ways it really reemphasizes that for Chihiro, it isn't dramatic anymore. Like she just has so much confidence and poise that it didn't need to be a huge spectacle. Like she's just confident that she can take the challenge thrown at her. Yeah, it's like all her interactions had led her to that one moment where she can stand up to Yubaba, be confident in her own skin and say, yeah, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to demand of you. And this is what I want my parents back. And yes, I can break the curse. And it's beautiful because then, you know, she, the, the spirit world kind of disappears because you only have access while you're a part of it in some way. And you see her go back into the car and with her parents and her dad saw something like, yeah, it's going to be really, a new school can be really scary. And then you hear Chihiro say, I think I can handle it. And that's the moment when you know that Chihiro's going to go into the future with all the tools and all the experiences that she's learned from, that she's experienced over the last whatever period of time I'm talking about. Yeah, to your point, Mary, in so many ways, this magical experience working at the spa and living in the spirit world creates the opportunity for Chihiro to just grow into herself in a way that from who we saw at the start of the film would never be deemed possible. And from that place, with the conviction that she says she thinks she could handle it, I'd put her right in like the nine and 10 camp, like totally owning herself, totally confident in herself and confident for what's next. And so as we wrap up Chihiro's journey in this film, I'm curious, you know, for her, she really had the full transformational experience. She started one way and she came out completely changed forever. But there are so many beloved characters in the series that you know, maybe could have used a little more help or maybe uh, could have even used some coaching to support them. So Chihiro aside, if we look back at some of the other characters, Mary, who would you want to coach and why? I'd love to group coach Yubaba and Zinibia. And I'll tell you why, Christina. It's because they're, they're, okay, so they're twins, so they look exactly the same, but their personalities are polar opposite. And when I think of Yubaba, she has so much power and strength, but she runs her, her spa like a really bad factory where people aren't treated equally and you see them kind of scared of her. You know, it's a very dictatorship type of, type of feel to this place. And then you see her sister who's like kind and generous and loving and has so much heart, but we might want to see some of that power in her. And I think I'd love to group coach both of them so that they even out those areas. It's like, what can you learn from the other person in front of you who's ironically a direct like mirror image of you? But what about you, Christina? Who would you want to coach? Ooh, I know I usually pick a girl at this point, but I actually think I'd want to coach Haku. And I'd want to coach him for a couple of different reasons. Um, Pre-curse being lifted from him, Haku, I'd be very interested in coaching him because it's very clear that the way that he knows to be in partnership with people is from hierarchy. And what I mean by that is like, yes, Chihiro is a young girl, but he really 
in some ways treats her as less than him in some parts of the film. Like there's a condescending attitude to him. And many of the other workers in the spa actually despise him for this quality. And so what I would want to coach him on in, in this realm is how can he continue to be this powerful figure, but not at the expense of viewing the other people around him as powerless. And the other reason I would want to coach Haku is what we find out at the end of the film is, you know, he's released from this burden and he has his name back and he knows where he came from. And I think that's so powerful because there's an opportunity for him to reinvent his life from here. And we really don't know how he's going to do it or what support structures he has in place to make it happen. Because arguably the only person that really knows about it is no longer in the spirit world with him, Chihiro. So I'd love to work with Haku on, you know, that now that he's reclaimed who he is, who does the Kohaku River get to be in the world? Yay. And on that note, We'd love to hear from you and where you're taking ownership or where you're avoiding ownership in your life. You know, leave us a comment, let us know, reach out to us if you want more support around any of these areas. And also, if you have any Hayao Miyazaki films that you want to recommend, please hit us up and let us know because we're big fans, as you can tell, and we're happy to cover any one of them that you send our way. Yeah, and my ask to everyone is Happy New Year, by the way. And... You know, what I love about the start of the year is I feel like this is the point in time where we're all taking a look at how do we want to own the year? How do we want to own 2021? And so my ask is like, what comes up for you? How are you going to take ownership of 2021? And similarly, how are you going to take ownership of catching up on some anime series that maybe you're looking forward to? And so similarly, if Miyazaki's not your thing and you're like, go back to the series, I want more shonen, please recommend what shonen by emailing us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Yeah, and please don't forget to subscribe, leave us comments, follow us on Instagram. We love all of you. Happy, happy 2021. I'm looking forward to another, another year. Bye, everyone. Thank you for watching Coach Taku. If you liked this episode, please share it and consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, C-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host? In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at HereXTinaRoar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at Raven5130 on Instagram. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.